0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We're looking at a, at a series that I've I felt very strongly directed for some time. I've been praying about this because uh, I realize it is an issue that affects every one of us here in some way or another. Either directly, indirectly, it's it's what we deal with today in our culture, and so because it impacts so many areas, and uh, it has become very delicate to discuss in some areas, and uh, <clears throat> there's so much, so many opinions. I've prayerfully worked on this until I felt like it was time to start. And last week I began this series entitled "Identity Chaos." Identity Chaos. I chose that word chaos carefully. The definition of chaos is complete. Think of this, complete disorder and confusion. That aptly describes the identity of our culture today. Complete disorder and confusion. Now, some of you think you already know what I'm going to talk about today and you're wrong. So, you know, don't leave till you get all this stuff today. All right. Because you, the, the impact of this is very far reaching. Some of the obvious things are more easily recognized, but identity and and the impact and the chaos when it's out of order is impacting every one of our lives. I'm very concerned for our children and our grandchildren. I'm very concerned for people going through challenges and crisis times in their life. That, that, how they are responding to this and allowing God to work. I'm very concerned about this wonderful church family, my family, whom I love, that, that, that how you deal with dysfunction in your family growing up, how you deal with neglect growing up, how abuse impacts you in your adult life, and, and, and is part of this strategy that Satan has launched to rob us Of one of the greatest gifts God can give us, and that is an identity. Listen to what I'm gonna say that is not achieved, but just received. God has a gift for you, an identity that will allow you to be everything God created you to be. For your life to be life at the highest level and not just a shell of what could happen. For you to live your life and your best dreams to come true in your life. Your greatest purpose to be fulfilled in your life. For you not to live your life with regrets. As a pastor, uh, I was surprised as I went through the years. As a young pastor, if you would have asked me when someone knows they're dying, what would be their greatest regret? I answered that wrong in the early days of being a pastor because I thought uh, early on as a pastor when someone, and I've been with more people than most at those moments, And if they were to express a regret on a deathbed, what would it be? I thought it would be something they had done. They wish they had not done. But as time went on, and I walked through those moments with many, many people, you know what the greatest regret, regret people have when they know their life is short? It's not something they've done. It's the things they never did. It's the things they never did. Pastor, I should have done this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I had another chance. To say this, to do this, to try that, to live this. I put my life on hold. And what I'm trying to help us understand is that God wants to bless you with a godly identity. And I want to say it again. Not that you've achieved. Not that you performed for. Not that someone else put on you. But an identity not achieved but received by the grace of God in your life. That will free you and allow you to be everything God lovingly designed you to be. So that's what this is all about. Uh, It's a gift that God wants to give us. And and, and how do we find that? I, I told you last week, if we were to define identity, I simply would say it's a sense of self and a sense of worth. A sense of self and a sense of worth. This is what God wants you to have. God wants you to have a sense in your life. Not a pride or arrogance, but a real sense that your life's important. That your life matters. That you are significant. Do you hear what I'm saying? that you're significant, you matter, you're here for a reason. God wants you to carry that, that your life has significance. He wants you to carry uh, this, I I can say it this way, that you're confident of your self-worth and value. Isn't that powerful? You're not having somebody else to have to do that for you. You're not going through life groping for somebody somewhere to give me value. God wants to give you An identity that's based on his constant faithfulness that you walk through life knowing I have value. I have a reason to be here. I'm important. God looks at me in that way. God wants you to have that. What happens in the absence of that? The chaos and the disorder. Think of that definition of chaos. Complete disorder and confusion. And look at the struggles people are in today. Look at this. I know some of you are waiting. My religious people are saying, he hasn't read a scripture yet. I'm getting there. I'm just making sure you're listening to me right now. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. Before you leave today, you will hear more scriptures than you ever heard in any sermon in your life. Just wait and see. I'm going to give it to you before we go, okay? But I want you to see this, this this chaos. So, So I want you to understand, when you... Find that place in Christ. Someone say, in Christ. When you find that place in Christ, the devil is horrified of who you will become and what God will do in you and through you. And so there is a spiritual war raging over your identity today. Do you understand it? A spiritual war. We need to know who the real enemy is. Satan is the enemy. He may have used people as puppets To harm you and confuse you and disorient you and break his order out of your life. But I want you to understand something today. Satan is not a creator. He cannot create. So the only thing he can do, I want you to see what's happening around you. The only thing he can do since he cannot create, only God can do that. What does he do? So he steals and perverts and distorts and deceives and 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 uh, confuses until chaos begins to reign in your life. So I want to show you a biblical pattern of how God rescues us from that. Come on. And how he establishes you. So let's go to the beginning of the beginning. Let's go to Genesis 1, 1. See, we, God's, this war for you has always been there. How many understand what I just said? This war against Satan, against the plans and purposes of God, even in the creation of the universe, has always been there. And I want you to understand this process so God can do this in your life. All right? Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this was the setting in which he did that. All right? This was the setting, verse 2, in which this creation process began. Verse 2 says... Uh, And I want to read it here because I've got the new King James version here. The earth, watch this. The earth was without form. And what? Void. Void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. So this was the scenario when God began to create the universe. What what, What was there before God did his thing? Without form. There was void. There was darkness on the face of the deep. Now, in that setting... What did God do? Has your life ever felt out of form, out of order, in confusion, some darkness, a void, a, a lack of knowing who I am, a lack of understanding why I am? And how does God respond to that? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Now it's time for God to step in. And the Spirit of God begins to come into this place. And in the atmosphere of the Spirit of God, this is what God did. Verse 3. And I'll just read the first part because this is how everything was created. And then God said, Let there be. What I'm giving you today is a word. I believe this culture needs a word. I believe our church needs a word. I believe your family needs a word. I believe your life needs a word. And I believe in this moment with the Spirit of God hovering over this place, we're going to say what God says. And what happens when God speaks into the chaos of identity chaos, what happens? The Holy Spirit is in a place Where the word of God can go forth and your darkness becomes light and your chaos becomes order and your confusion becomes identity and your hopelessness becomes help, When God steps in those places, so, so, so this is what I want you to see. We, we need that word. Look, look with me in Luke chapter four and verse one in the beginning of Jesus ministry. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. This is why the devil attacks you when you're a child. This is why the enemy has his focus on our children today. Is everybody on track with me right now? We cannot be asleep at the wheel. We cannot miss this spiritual warfare that is raging. Are you with me? People have the right to do what they want to do with their life. We live in a free country. I don't have to agree with your choices and your lifestyle, but you have a right to do that. I know you might not want me to say that, but that's the truth. And I have a right to preach the gospel. And I have a right to tell the truth in love. And so what we have to understand is that your rights end at the point they violate my rights. Democracy works in a, in a construct Of where we have freedom with the respect of the rights around us. Is everybody with me today? And so we have to understand Satan is always after the beginning. In the beginning, void, darkness, formless. God speaks in the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, the same identity crisis is launched. I'm going to read it. What I want you to see is there is a full-scale war On the children and young people in this nation today. And what we need is a godly, established Christ identity group of people loving, being kind, and leading and sharing in this process. So, what happens? We're in Luke 4. Jesus has been, uh, he's grown to the age of 30. He is God birthed in human flesh through the Virgin Mary. And he's been biding his time, waiting for the Holy Spirit, what? To say, okay, I'm hovering now, I'm about to speak. So he comes out of the baptism waters in the river Jordan. And the Holy Spirit descends upon him. And he's anointed. I want you to know in that very moment, I didn't include this. We're going to read Luke 4. But in that moment before Jesus had ever preached a message. Before he had ever healed the sick. Before he'd ever taught a parable. Before he had ever fed the multitude. When he came out of the water, he had just been baptized. And the Holy Spirit came on him. And the God, the Father said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He had not done anything on his agenda yet. And the Father says, I love him and I'm pleased with him. Did you get that? It's identity from God. is not achieved, it's received. So watch the attack on his identity. Luke 4 verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. You think so? (laughs) He was human too. You get that? But God on the inside. Now look at this, verse 3. The devil said to him, If, He attacked his identity immediately. If you are the son of God, then tell the stone to become bread. You see the process? He immediately says, you have something to prove. His father just said, I already love you. I already approve of you. I already am glad you're my son. But the devil comes to you and he says, you don't know who you are. You don't really know who you are. If you're who you say you are, then you've got to do something to prove that. That's the story of your life today. That's the strategy he has always implemented. But what did Jesus do? He didn't try to defend himself and all these things. He just said this. What did he say? Jesus answered, it is written. I like that. So you're, you're going to have to decide what voice you're going to act on. You're going to have to choose what voice matters to me. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered over the deep. Darkness was there. Spirit of God began to hover, and God said, let there be. Jesus is called into his ministry, and immediately the devil comes and says, if you're who you say you are, you better do something to prove it. And Jesus just says, the word says this. Uh-huh. Are you with me? Are you with me? So uh, we, we go on. I'm, I'm needing to move on faster here because I need to show you some things. Let's go to verse 9. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. What does he say to him? Yeah. If, see it again, if you are the son of God. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, so they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. It's pretty crazy when the devil's quoting scripture. <laughs> I've seen some other devils quote scripture. That's all I but let me let me go on. <laughs> I don't have time for that sermon today. I, I, I've seen some devils carry Bibles and quote scriptures. But anyway, <clears throat> let, let's go on. So but what's the attack if? If, 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 then prove it. If, then prove it. What did Jesus do? Verse 12, he answered, it says, oh, don't you like that? You better know your word. It says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Look at verse 13. This is what you're where you want to be. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. That's nice language saying he was tired of getting beat up. And he said, I'm going to leave this boy alone for a while. I gotta go regroup. It didn't work. If you see this, so what do we what do we see? The attack against your identity begins early on. It's intensified with our culture today, with all the voices. So so God designated you. God created you. He designed you. His His plan for you is good. Let's go back to Genesis 1. I just wanted to show you the beginning, the beginning, how it works. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. Genesis one twenty six. I want to, I want you to see a couple of things here that are very important. So so who are we? Where did we come from? What's the plan on this thing? What what is our capacity? What is our identity? What's the design? Genesis one verse twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make man." Now don't don't get rattled again. That word man should probably best be translated mankind. The word is. Inclusive of male and female, is that okay? Okay, so it it is whether you like it or not. You may just want to say man. Sorry, it's mankind. Okay, so so God said, "Let us make mankind in our image." How were what were we made in His image? You know who you are. Next time somebody asks you, "Who's your daddy?" Say, "How much time you got?" You hear me? Who's your daddy? How much time you got? You sit down because it's going to take a minute. Okay. We're designed in his image. We're designed in his likeness. Wow. And the first thing he says is that you're in charge. You're not under, you're over. The devil's not your ruler, you're in charge. He says, let them rule over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock, over the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what did God do? So he did what he said. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God. In his own image. And he says it again. In the image of God. He created him. Male and female. He created them. Verse 28. And after he created us in his image and in his likeness. With an assignment to rule over everything he created under him as a steward. Then he blesses us. He blessed them and said to them. Be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth subdue it rule over the fish the sea the birds of the air over every living creature that moves on the ground i don't know who told you how you got here and who you are and how you came about but you were designed in the image and likeness of god with the dna in the spirit to be over and not under to be a victor not a defeated person to be a conqueror not someone that's conquered that's who you were designed by god to be well, how did we get into condition we're in? Because we disconnected from the one who designed us, and in the void of connection, chaos came in, counterfeits came in, and we begun to believe them more than the truth of the Word of God. Let, let let me let me show you something here. Adam and Eve were created. You saw the plan, but what did they do? They you know they just had to get one thing right. Do you know God created us always with a free will? And he said, you got this place, but don't eat from that tree. So what did Eve do? Just like a kid. She goes and stares at the tree. Do you know the longer you stare at temptation, the better it looks? Some of you need to dump your phone right now while nobody's looking. Okay. Finally, Satan, in the form of a snake, says, that tree looks good, doesn't it? She goes, yeah, the longer I look at it, does it? She said... He she said, did God say you died? die? She goes, yeah, he did. She knew. He said, well, he didn't mean it. He's not going to do it. The reason he do not want you to eat that, you're going to be like him. He, God's holding out on you. That's what some people think today. Well, God's cramping my style. No, he's trying to keep you from killing yourself. God won't let me do what I want to do. No, he You know, I, I've got, did your kids ever want to drive the car before they had any sense enough to drive a tricycle? Did because of your love, you told them no? Do you know no is a loving answer sometimes? Okay. So, so, so they, 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 they sin, they disobey, they create separation. And what did God do immediately? God comes looking for them. They didn't, he didn't run away from them in their failure. It says he came looking, called for them. Adam and Eve, where are you? And all of a sudden now because, watch this, they had disobeyed. They had forfeited the presence of God. They had forfeited, listen to me, this word's important today, their innocence. So what did they do when they recognized they were out of connection with God? What did they do when they knew they had violated and disobeyed and it wasn't the way it had been? They grabbed leaves, tear them off the vine, and try to cover themselves. Do you know the moment they pulled that leaf off that vine, it started dying in their hands? Do you know that immediately in the void of his presence, they tried to cover themselves with a counterfeit? And the moment the counterfeit was taken, it was dying in their hand. And so when you pull a counterfeit from any other source to try to give you an identity, it is dying from the first step. And when that counterfeit identity dies, you'll be forced to go back and try to find another counterfeit identity. But the moment you put your hand on it, you're killing it. The moment you put it on you, it's dying. And you are putting yourself in a cycle to go to counterfeit after counterfeit after counterfeit. What could ever replace the presence of Almighty God? They walked in an innocence. They walked in a presence that was so pure and powerful and freedom and right and giving that they did not even know they were unclothed. But the moment they stepped back in disobedience and said, I can be God and I can do my own thing. In that moment, they began to live a life dependent on counterfeits. It's a picture of where we are today in our identity chaos. We have to understand It's not what we have done, but what Jesus has done for us. We ran this thing off the road, and he came and found us. Anybody listening to me today? We broke his word. We disobeyed his word. We ran away from his love. We thought we could do it without him. We knew more than he did. We knew more than the generation before us, and we ran the car into the ditch. And thank God when he came by like the good Samaritan, he didn't walk by on the other side. He stopped and got down in the mud with you and me and said, you blew it, but I'm back. You messed it up, but I haven't given up on you. I'm here to make this thing work. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. Turn there with me. I told you we're going to do some scripture. Come on, 2 Corinthians 5.21. But I made a promise more than you've ever heard. I'm still not there yet, Okay. But it's going to, I'm still going to get you out on time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. He came and did this. Your identity is not something you achieve. It's something you receive from the grace and goodness of Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21. God made him. That's Jesus. God made him. Made Jesus who had no sin. Did we get that? He made, formed, fashioned Jesus, the one who had no sin, to become a sin offering for us. The one who was innocent was going to pay the price for the guilty. The one who was sinless is going to pay the price for the sinful. We blew it. We disengaged. We disconnected. And in that void, Satan roared these counterfeit identities at us. But I want you to see this. God made Jesus... Who had no sin to be the sin offering for us. So that in Jesus we might become. Are you ready for the rest of that? The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. That doesn't mean you're forgiven and put on the back row. It doesn't mean I forgive you, but you're never going to get status anymore. He literally said that what Jesus did on the cross, are you listening to me? So revolutionized our identity that when God looks at you now, He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see where you've been. He doesn't see how long you've been there. He doesn't see the foolish decisions and the choices. When you come in Jesus Christ, God looks at you like his own righteousness. It is beyond imagination. As a believer, I don't know what people said about you, talked about you. But I'm telling you, you stand before God Almighty and he looks at you like his own righteousness. Clothes you and wraps around you. The gift of God. The blessing of God. The favor of God. Why would we consider a counterfeit? Let, let, let's back up. Let's look at verse 16 in this same chapter. Come on, what, what, what needs to happen? What needs to happen for us? Look at verse 16 in chapter 5, Second Corinthians. I love this. So from now on, someone say from now on. Do you mean that? So from now on, what are we going to do? Look at this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, including yourself. Amen. Amen. Including yourself. Come on, we're going to read it again, church. We listen. If we get this, you listen to me. If we get this and live this, the world will beat those doors down to get inside here, to get this, to get this thing. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded even Christ in this way. We no longer do. Okay, watch this. Therefore, how I love this: if anyone is where, not in ourselves, not in our failure. But we've accepted this thing from God. If we are in Christ, he, she is a new creation. Come on. The old is gone. The new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And look, he didn't stop there and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, did you know you're in the ministry? Ask them a question. Ask them, did you know you're in the ministry? We love titles in the church. If you know the person's name next to you, look at him and say, call him minister so-and-so right now. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> Come on, call us. Hello. Say, hello, minister John, minister Ann. House full of ministers. I love it. I preach to ministers every week. That's what I do. That's who we are. I preach to ministers. I don't teach people that you, you, you're ministers. You've been reconciled, righteousness of God in Christ. My goodness! But let's look at this. Go to First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians six. It's over a chapter. I'm sorry. It's uh, yeah, yeah. First, that was in second. Go to First Corinthians chapter six. I want to show you this. So what happens? Man, we get we 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 get messed up. We we get caught up, don't we? We get wrapped up in these uh, counterfeits. And, and, and all these things that, that take control of us. Why? Because when we stepped away from Christ, when we stepped away from God, we created a void. And in that void, the voices began to roar at us. And our emotions tied, and we made identities, and we connected and with these other things. And they hold us, and they trap us. And you say, Pastor, what if, I, what if I pulled the fig leaves off and covered myself? What if I'm on round 10 of trying to counterfeit? The presence of God. What do I do? Is there hope for me? Can I change? Is this just the way it's going to be? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. I love this. What? Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, that's not the part of our love, but it's true. Okay, you got that? You see that? Can I tell you something today? Everybody doesn't go to heaven. Did you hear me? I don't like to say that. But you only go to heaven through Jesus Christ. It's not. That's it. That's it. Okay. So let's be understand that. Let's be straight. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now watch this. Think of the things we're dealing with in our culture today. Neither the sexually immoral. That would be adulterers and fornicators. I know we like to point fingers on the next part of the list. But let's, let's look at this. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards. Lord Jesus, this next one. We ought to be praying. You ought to be getting a little bit of, you know, I'm not going to say it the way Jim Brady said it. Let me think of another way to say it. That may make you perspire a little right now. Nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the hope. Watch the next verse. And that is what some of you were. Say were again. That is what some of you were. So in the church in Corinth, are you with me? There were some former sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy, drunkard, slanderers, and swindlers. There were some X, although they were in the church. Everybody with me? But look at this. He says, uh, and that is what some of you were. Are you ready? But look, but you were washed. The blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You were washed in the blood of Jesus. You were sanctified. Oh, that's a churchy term. You know what sanctified means? That means God's releasing you from that sin that held you. That means you're set apart for the purposes of God now. It means you have a new name written down in heaven. Oh, come on, we can preach. And, and, and then he said you were justified. In the name, Justified means God looks at you as if the sin had never been committed. You know why the devil screams in your ears all the time when you fail, when you took a counterfeit, when you went down this path? He says to you, you'll never get out of that. He said, you'll always be that. He said, people will always judge you. People will always say that. I've got good news for you. You have a Father God who gave you an identity that was not based on what people said, what others said, where you've been, what you've done. You have an identity you didn't achieve, you received it because Jesus paid for it on the cross. And I'm telling you today, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what your title is, what group you've been in, what you identified with, what circle, what fig leaf that you chose that died and you're on the 15th version of it i'm telling you today you can be someone that the bible says you were one of those but now you've been watched you've been sanctified you've been justified you're not who you were you're who god always designed you to be there's a new wave i want you to understand this and you won't see it in a lot in the media and it breaks my heart and we need to be able to minister and love and care but there's so many people, we know now, that are transitioning. But there's a whole new wave of people that are de-transitioning. Who are broken hearted and lonely and confused and said, I thought this is going to make me happy. And I did this and I'm more lonely than I've ever been before. The suicide rate of people who are transitioning is 17 times the national average. And we don't need to be a church pointing fingers, being ugly, being unkind, sitting on our holier-than-thou chair. We need to be a group of people who know, once we were, once we were, but we've been washed, we've been sanctified, we've been justified. I didn't achieve it. I received it. Are you with me in this thing? Because I believe there's going to be a detransitioning wave that comes through our culture. But before we stop on on, on that and, 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 you know, just rearranging your body part is not going to change who you are on the inside. But I also want to tell you today, come on, don't, don't, you got to get this, that just rearranging who you're married to. Is not gonna change your identity. And just rearranging where you work is not gonna change your identity. And just rearranging in the house you live is not gonna change your identity. And just rearranging where you go to church is not gonna satisfy your identity. And just rearranging what you drive and how many you drive is not gonna change your identity. Just having more money is not gonna change your identity. Just because you cut and sniff and tack and tough and suck doesn't mean you're going to feel any better about yourself. And just because you slept with more women than the other guy down the street doesn't mean you're a better man than where you started. What we've got to get our heart around is what God says who we are. So I want you to buckle down for about three minutes with me because this is who you are. According to Colossians 210 You are complete in him who is the head and rule over all authority. You are alive in Christ. Ephesians 2.5. Romans 8.2 says you're free from the law of sin and death. Isaiah 54.14 says you are far from oppression and do not live in fear. 1 John 5.18 says you're born of God and the evil one has no place in you. Ephesians 1.4 says you are holy without blame before him in the love of God. 1 Corinthians Two sixteen says you have the very mind of Christ anybody hearing who you are Philippians 4 7 says you have the peace of God that passes understanding 1 John 4 4 says the spirit of God who is greater than the enemy in this world lives inside of you the Bible says in Romans 5 17 you've received abundant grace and the gift of righteousness causes you to reign in this life Ephesians 1 17 and 18 says I have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The eyes of my heart have been enlightened and I know the hope of the calling I have in Christ. Luke 10, 17 says, I have received the power of the Holy Spirit. He can do miraculous things through me. I have authority and power over the enemy in this world. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. I am renewed in the knowledge of God and no longer live in my old ways or nature before I accepted Christ. Luke 6, 36 through 38 says, I am merciful. I do not judge others. I forgive quickly. I do this by God's grace as he blesses my life. Anybody know who you are yet? Philippians 4, 19. God says, he supplies every need you have according to His riches and glory. Ephesians six sixteen. In all circumstances, I live by faith in God, and I extinguish all the flaming dart and the attacks of the enemy. Philippians four thirteen. I can do whatever I need to do through the light Christ Jesus gives me with His strength. In First Peter two nine, I am chosen by God. I am called by God come on anybody with me in this thing i am i have been called in the light of christ I proclaim the excellence of the greatness of who he is. 1 Peter 1.23, I'm born again, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for God's purpose through the living, everlasting word of God. Ephesians 2.10, I am God's workmanship. I am a masterpiece under construction. I was created in Christ to do good work. He prepared for me. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, I am a new creation in Christ. Romans 6, 11 says, in Christ, I'm dead to sin. My relationship with sin is broken. Me and sin broke up. Come on. And I'm alive to God. I'm in unbroken fellowship with him. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, the light of God's truth is shining in my heart and gives me knowledge of my salvation. James 1, says, I hear God's word. I do what it says. I am blessed by my actions. I'm not done yet. Romans 8, 17 says, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, 11 says, I overcome the enemy of my soul by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, I have everything I need to live a godly life. And I'm equipped to live in his divine nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a purchased people. Second Corinthians 5.21 I told you, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I have right standing before the God of the universe in Jesus. First Corinthians 6.19 My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 28.13 I'm the head and not the tail. I only go up and not down in life as I trust my God. Matthew five fourteen. I'm the light of the world. Romans eight thirty three. I'm chosen by God, forgiven by God, justified through Christ. I am compassionate. I have a compassionate heart. I am kind. I am humble. I am meek. I am patient. Come on, somebody. Ephesians one seven. I am redeemed. I am forgiven of all my sins. I'm made clean through the blood of Jesus. Colossians 1.13. I have been rescued from the dominion and authority of the power of darkness. And brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. Galatians 3.13. I'm redeemed from the curse of sin. Sickness and poverty. Colossians 2 7, my life is rooted in Christ. I overflow with thanksgiving for all He's done for me. Psalm 66 8, I am called to live a holy life by the grace of God and to declare His praise. Isaiah 53 5, I am healed. I am whole in the name of Jesus. Ephesians 2 5, I am saved by the grace of God. I am raised with Christ and seated with Him in heavenly places. John 3.16 says, the Father dearly loves me. Colossians 1.11, I'm strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. I've only got three more. James 4, 7, I humbly submit myself to God, and the devil flees from me because I resist him in the name of Jesus. Philippians 3:14, I press on each day to fulfill God's plan for my life because I live to please Him. Second Timothy 1.7 I am not ruled by fear because the Holy Spirit lives in me and gives me power. Galatians 2.20 Christ lives in me. I live by faith in Him and His love for me. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. Come on. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who named you? Who called you? Who chose you? Who blessed you? Come on, stay on your feet. Let's all stand. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I stand on your feet. And I didn't say them all. A hundred names God's given you. A hundred promises God gave you. Your identity is established. You receive it. You don't achieve it. And here's the deal. So I ask you again. So who are you going to believe? So who are you going to believe? What voice are you going to listen to? What word are you going to hold on to? What are you going to let God establish in your life? There's a spiritual war being waged over your identity. Because when we ever find out who we are in Christ, it changes everything around us. Everything around us. I want us to pray right now. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to know who we are. How many are thankful today? you know here did i tell you you're going to hear more scripture you ever heard any sermon i'm never going to lead you astray i think we did about 115 today that's enough word to get you onto the next place come on you got something you got something there church god has plans for you individually and for us complete totally as a church family but we're going to have to walk in who we are we're going to have to walk in what god says today you're going to have to make some choices those other voices have been loud and they've been harassing you. They've been pressing on you. And, and you have to make some decisions. God, I choose your word. But let me tell you this before we pray. When you choose to believe God's word, and you begin to say what God says about yourself, the Holy Spirit steps in your life. And it's not just you. He empowers you. He strengthens you. He walks with you. It's not your mental ability. It's the power of God inside of you. Are you with me? You choose, and God empowers. You decide, God, I'm going to trust that. We sang that song. I want to sing it here in a moment. It simply says, Jesus, you're everything. You're everything. Do you see that? Everything I just read to us from the Bible, everything God said about us is in Christ. It's in Christ. Everything is there. And the more you walk with him, the more often you hear him say it. The farther you walk from him, the less you hear that voice. So today, who are you going to hang out with? Who are you going to hang out with? How are you going to start your day? See, we're driven by our emotions and our feelings. And people say, well, Pastor, I feel so strongly. It's not that. Your emotions didn't save you. Your faith saved you. And you may be in a real battle, and my heart goes out to you. There's some very grippy counterfeits in this world today. They've been pushed on us. They've been approved. They've been legalized. They've, They've been accepted in many, many areas. I read you a long list. Not just one or two areas. And so you have to choose. And for some, listen to me, it may be a process. But on the other end of this thing, it'll be worth every decision, every choice, everything you do. I remember when I gave my life to Christ as a young college student, I had a lot of counterfeits holding on to me. I had a lot of lies whispering in my ear. I had a lot of things vying for my attention. I had, I was in college to secure a career To make as much money as I could make. That's why I went to college. I was not thirsting for education. Sorry. I was thirsting for more money. That's why I was going. So I picked the thing that could make me the most money. But I didn't know Jesus. But when I met him, I backed out of that college. I walked off from two scholarships. And I said, all I want is you. I finally go to sleep with peace in my life. I lay my head down at night. I'm not worried about what I'm missing. I'm not concerned about what everybody says. I wasn't worried about the plans. I said, I just found what I've looked for all my life. I found that pearl. And when I cashed it all in and dug that pearl up, put it in my heart, you know what I found? I said, man, this is what life has always been. I don't care what happens next. I don't care where I go. I don't care who I know. I don't care who walks off and leaves me. I had some people walk off and leave me. You know why? Because they hadn't met him yet. Because they didn't know who they were in Christ. It didn't make sense. I had to let them go. So I could hold on to this Jesus. That was so real to me. And today, I'm going to tell you something. He'll do that for you if he did it for me. He'll walk into that place. And Christian in this room today. I believe there are people who you love Jesus. But you're just battling some of these counterfeits. That were thrown on you. Some of them were spoken over you. When you were a child. And that's, you carried that identity with you. Somebody has told you you're not smart enough. Somebody's told you you don't deserve it. I'll never forget I was a young youth pastor. I'd only been in the ministry about a year. And, and, and they brought a lady in for me to counsel. <laughs> that was risky. <laughs> I was so young, I didn't know anything. I was trying I had a lot of theory. I'd studied a lot of books and been through a lot of theology. But here comes a lady and sits down. The pastor was gone. So okay, Pastor George, you're gonna, you're gonna counsel this. I was like, oh boy, here we go. I was praying. She comes and tells me that her husband's been beating her for ten years. I was like, "Thanks, I get this one my first time." My heart was broken for her. I felt some compassion, and I was kind of scrambling. I said, "Well, when did this begin?" I'll never forget this. It imprinted me to today. She said it began on our honeymoon. I, I was stunned. I had grown up in dysfunction. I hadn't seen that. Now, being a pastor, I've seen more than I've ever wanted to see. I've heard more stories than I ever wanted to hear. I've seen more tears fall than I ever wanted to see fall. you understand? I've had a full dose. But i never forget it. My thought was, how could you? Why? I didn't say it, but I said, well, why did you stick around? And finally, I, 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 said, that. I said, well, I don't understand why you continue to do this Then she tells me that story. Well, when I was a kid, this happened to me. When I was a teenager, this happened to me. I just thought I deserved it. And I thought, how could that be? How could you say that? She had taken an identity that says, I deserve to be abused. That's who she was. That's who she thought. You understand that? And there are people in this room in the same place. It's not because you're bad. Somebody did that to you. And you didn't know there was another choice. But there is And I just read you a hundred statements From the God who loved you so much He died in your place And I just want to see you healed I want to see you set free I want to see the generational curse broken And it doesn't get passed down To your children and your grandchildren I want to see you whole And you know what your father wants it A thousand times more than I can So can we just pray and trust him Can we just right now It's you know I feel, I want to be careful. I don't want to, it's very personal, so I don't want to identify somebody, you know? But just right where you are, can we make this whole room an altar? Can we just make it an altar? Can everybody be as transparent with God as if you're the only person here? Would you just take that risk and say, God, would you really do this? Can you really heal me? Can can you really change my identity? Would you do it right now?